You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 5. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 5. When you find it, you can stand. So if you're familiar, I teach the couples class, um, and uh, my, I don't know, the older I get, the more burdened and just um, interest I have in helping couples any way I can, not because I'm so smart or that I've got the answers, but just because God has given us so much instruction and commands concerning our our marriage relationship, Um, and it's constantly on my heart, and it's something I think about a lot. And so as I was preparing for this, the message for a couple Wednesdays ago, um, this was really on my heart quite a bit, and I was able to kind of expound a little bit more. And so I come from it from a place of not having all the answers, because I do not. Um, you know, this last year, Lisa and I celebrated our 20th anniversary, and that's a milestone to, to be sure. Um, we're almost to the point where we've been married longer than when I wasn't married from, you know, birth all the way through. And for me, that's, a, that's a, like a, a watershed moment um, in my life, and I look forward to that being the case. And, and I've learned and kind of just seen with people recently that the marriage relationship, that relationship that you have with your spouse is probably, I believe, the most important human relationship you have on this earth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, and we, we often don't treat it that way. Um, So I'm going to focus a little bit on the marriage relationship tonight. Uh, We're going to read here Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to start down in verse number 22. And we're going to read through the first few verses of chapter 6 as well. So starting in verse number uh, 22 of Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for just absolute truth. It doesn't matter what our opinions are on it, what our thoughts are on it. Your word is truth, and it's up to us to adjust our thought process and the way we handle our lives to line up with your truth, Lord. And I'm grateful 
that we have the truth in our hands. And I'm grateful you cared about us so much to be willing to give it to us to allow us to live a life that brings you glory. Lord, I pray that you'll take the next few moments um, as I bring your word and just clear my thoughts and my mind. Help me to say things that are helpful and beneficial to us in our Christian lives, not because they're my ideas, but because you have said them, Lord. And there are things that if we obey you, we have a successful life. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to, to be willing to adhere our lives to your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So as you see, I read, this is more than just the husband and wife relationship. It's about our, our families, really. It's about the family unit. And as we live in this world that we live in today, the family unit is, it's under attack. Um, I'm not going to say anything that's new. I may be saying some things that are controversial to some people. Um, but the, the family unit's under attack by the world, by the devil, by our enemy. And his goal is to destroy families. Because if you destroy families, you destroy people. If you destroy people, in his eyes, the devil's eyes, he hurts the Lord. And that's his goal. Is to He hates God. He hates everything that God loves. And God loves you. And so God thereby hates, or the devil thereby hates you. Um, so to destroy families is, is a goal that he has. So I have some statistics. Everyone loves statistics. Don't turn off right away. It's very short, I promise. Um, but as we live in this, this day and age, um, I can look back to when I was a kid and I can read history from when my parents were kids and how just culture operated as far as how moms and dads and children and grandparents and how single moms and single dads and, and gender identities and all the things that the, the way that we have gone as a culture within the family has deteriorated in, I mean, really, the last 60, 70 years and probably even more rapidly here in the last 10. Yep. And to look at those things happening, and it's really, it's just confusion, right? Confusion and muddling the truth and, and, and trying to make things unknown and, and not knowing if, if you think one way about something and someone else is another way, you're a bad guy somehow now. So things are just becoming confusing, and, and as Pastor talked about this morning, with the anger that comes behind a lot of those decisions and choices, um, looking at us as a family, in, 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 and it seems like a big deal, but in the United States, 1.9% of people within the U United States identify as transgender, right? Meaning that they were born a boy and they think they're a girl or vice versa. Only 1.9%. So really, it's not a huge, and this is just a general study, as no particular group or subset of people, just general. Um, the majority of that 1.9%, though, however, is in the age group from 18 to 24. As you get into older age groups, that percentage drops dram dramatically. But most of the people that are in that 1.9%, the biggest group of that is that 18 to 24 age group. And so as I was doing studying, and as you can't live life without all this being just kind of forefront in your, in your life and thrown in your face... Um, back in 2012, 3.5% of the people in the United States identified as LGBT, right? 3.5%, 2012. 2022, it's now 7.1%. So it's doubled in the last 10 years. Just in that, and again, the biggest group that that identifies is 18 to 24, 25 years old. Um, and the, 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 the group as, as it grows, as we continue on in this year, and I thought, well, why, why is that number growing so rapidly? You know, is it just because now people are more comfortable talking about it and they want to out themselves, as people would say, to come out? They feel more comfortable coming out. 
I don't necessarily think that's the case, although the, the, the pride that goes along with, with this lifestyle and, and that thought process um, definitely pushes and propels it to the top of you know, talking points and what we see. But as I thought about it, really, I thought, where is this coming from? Where is this starting? You know, where, why is it that age group? Why is it growing so dramatically? And what is it about that age group that they're struggling with it? Right, just like struggling with anger, just like struggling with lying, just like struggling with any sin that we struggle with, because we all struggle with sin, this is a struggle that people have. And why is it growing? And I believe the biggest breakdown that this comes from and the consistency of our family lives, um, the, the, the breakdown in our nation's family nucleus, I believe, has contributed to these numbers changing and growing. The confusion that comes from our kids, comes from the kids of this nation because of the family nucleus. So the decline of importance of, of family um, or, or marriage has, I mean, significantly declined. Whether it's just cohabitating, whether it's just sleeping around, whatever the case may be, the, the importance of one man, one woman forever is just kind of not important to a lot of people in the world today. Unless it's one man and one man, then it's very important. Yeah. Or one woman and one woman, then it's very important. The marriage is very important. Um, so it's, its importance is being undermined. Divorce, cohabitation, again, single parenthood. Um, the number of children that are raised without traditional families, right? No biblical form of a family. It's, it's growing a lot. The fact that that is the case for most people. Or for a lot of people. So if you look at the current state of our nation, I think a lot of it can be directly con- connected to that problem. Now, that, sure, there are other, other factors, no doubt about it. There are other factors that contribute to where we are as a nation. But the family is where a lot of those other even contributing factors originate. If we have strong families, a lot of those other issues are, are headed off, are taken care of. Um, so as Bible believers then, so we say, okay, a lot of information, a lot of statistics, and we probably all agree with that kind of thought process. But you're here on a Sunday night in the middle of January, so it probably really doesn't apply to us, right, in our families. We, we, we have strong families. We're not perfect, but we're at church. You brought your family to church, right? It's, you, you, you value God's view of family. And so we can go, well, okay, that doesn't apply to me. I don't like it, but what am I, I going to do about it? And we can think that way. But I believe as Bible believers that we need to understand where the breakdown is and why the breakdown is in our country, in our city. Sioux Falls is growing like crazy. And that brings lots of people that don't see things the way God sees them. Because more people, that's more people, more problems. That's how it goes. So we as Bible believers need to understand and know God's view. And we have to wholeheartedly be behind God's view within our own family. So that means that we have to know our roles as husbands, as wives, as children. We are responsible to know the roles that God has given us. He is, he's command, there aren't suggestions, he's commanded. He has given a direct commandment, husbands, how to obey. Wives, how to obey. Children, how to obey and how to behave. He has given direct commandments on these things and for us to act as if they're not important or they don't apply to us just that attitude really is a contributing factor to the problems we have in our nation for our families 
So although you may not be actively contributing to those statistics, our attitude can be contributing to that because we have to stand our ground. So this, I wrote this statement down. I, I'm pretty sure this is mostly mine. It might be taken from other people. I don't remember, but it's a good statement, so it probably isn't all mine. Uh, so I wrote down, we must be the wives and husbands that God commands us to be so that we may be the parents that God has allowed us to be so we may raise future generations to be the adults God desires them to be so his glory is perpetuated throughout those that believe he is God. It is our responsibility as husbands and wives to, guys, you have to be the husband you're supposed to be. You can't just slough, slouch, slough. You can't just not do it. Yes. You can't. You don't, have that, you don't have that luxury. Wives, you don't have the luxury to say, well, I don't actually agree with this. It actually, I don't, I don't fully buy into what God is saying. You don't have that option. If you're a Bible-believing child of God that wants to grow families the way God says families need to be grown. So to that end, I believe that what God says in his word starts with us as men. It begins with us as men. And so we're going to get to men here in a second. But before, and I'm going to spend most of our time tonight on us as men. Um, but it, before we get there, I want to spend a little time with wives, if we can, if you'll allow me. Um, so, okay, thank you. Uh, so as men, as I show us our men, our roles for our family, our health, their, the family's health, the impact on, on our nation's health even, um, I'll start by addressing the wives while showing the men the importance of their role. So wives... Verse number 22, Ephesians chapter 5. Not my words, God's words through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. In verse number 22, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands, period. Is that what it is? It, it says that, but that's not all it says. Right. right? Wives, you're commanded to submit to your husbands. And, and it's, you're, you're commanded to p- place yourself in submission to them. And obviously we live in a world that says, as a woman, I'm not going to be submitting to anybody. I'm my own person, and I mean, they stand strong, right? I don't need, women will say, I don't need a man. I don't need a man to help me. Um, and by that, the, really what they're saying is, I don't need God's plan. And obviously not every woman gets married, right? It's not that this is, if you don't get married, then you can't submit. The idea is you're submitting to God's order and God's plan for how the family operates, so his, uh, his operational plan is that he's at the head, and the husband is under him, and under him, under the husband is the wife. So you're to submit yourselves to your husband, not in value. You're not lesser value, and you're not less, less important, but in hierarchy. We all understand hierarchy. There has to be an order of authority. Otherwise, we have chaos. It's no difference in our homes. There has to be hierarchy, and God understands that, and that's why he set it up the way he did. But when women get the, the stubbornness and the strong-willed in themselves and maybe even say, well, my husband doesn't deserve the respect. He's not the person he's supposed to be. And again, God does not say that. What he says as he continues in that verse, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. So really, wives, submitting to your husband has nothing to do with your husband. When you submit to your husband, you're submitting to the Lord. And when women stand strong and buckle and bristle and say they don't submit to anybody, they're not, they're not buckling and bristling to men or even their husband. They're bucking and bristling to the Lord. Yeah, right. And that's really where it begins. So, and 
you know, as, as a woman, I'm sure it's, it can be difficult at times to submit themselves to a husband that's not perfect, to, who makes mistakes, sometimes dumb mistakes, that you even warned them about, said, don't do this, this is a bad idea, and they're like, I got it, they did it, and guess what, it was a bad idea. Hard to submit to that, I understand, I'm, I'm one of those men, it's hard to submit to that sometimes, but it's not about what my, what the husband does or doesn't do. It's about what God tells the wife to do and if you're willing or not to obey it. So wives are to give reverence. If you jump down to verse number 33, the word reverence there. So, uh, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Give your husband respect. Um, again, not because he deserves it necessarily, but because God says it. So to respect your husband and to submit yourself to him, that is your role. That is the role that God has given you. So in our family unit, if we want success... If we want God's picture of a successful family unit, that's the wife's role. Okay, that's all the time we're going to spend there. We can spend a lot more time, but we're not. But now we're going to go to the men. So men, we've heard, you've heard sermons and lessons. I've taught lessons out of this passage of scripture. And it's, it kind of feels like you're beating a dead horse sometimes. Right? You could beat that dead horse. That horse is dead. But you could still beat it. And you still say the same thing over and over again. And it, to us as men, we could be like, yeah, got it. Okay, enough. You've told me, I get it, and I'm failing, I understand, I'll try better next time. But I think that we as men, I'll speak as myself, me as a man, when things like that are said to me, and I see my faults in those areas, and I have the guilt or conviction, and I don't want to deal with that, or I, I feel guilty about it, and so I get angry about it, or I get frustrated about it, and I start to blame others. Right? I start to blame my wife, or I start to blame my kids, or I blame my parents, or I blame whatever it may be. But men, I mean, we need to man up. Yes, sir. You, you just, I, the title, at Sam, Brother Sam asked her for the title, and I, the title of this is, Who's the Man? Mm-hmm. And you're like, who's the man? I'm the man. You know, that's what you think, I'm the man. Who's the man? <laughs> and that's what you say to yourself to get yourself psyched up. But really, men, who's, who's the man? Are you a man? Are you, are you man enough to, to just follow God's rules? to follow God's commandments. How, how important is your family to you? Men that, have, that are married and have children, how important is your family to you? And for those of you that are married without children, whether you're planning on children, waiting on God's timing with that, whatever the case may be, your marriage, how important is your marriage to you, the man? Yeah. How important is that? How much does that matter? And for those of you that are men that aren't married, how important is it that you are a man that is a leader and someone that people can look to as God's man and how things should be done? Because let's be honest, men, especially in this day and age, we're, we're kind of like overgrown kids. I'll be the first to say I'm right there with you, right? Like, I'm 40-something years old, and in my heart, in my head, I'm like 16 still. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want to play the games, I want to run around, and then my body is like, you can't do this anymore. <laughs> right? Your, your knee popped. That's, is that supposed to happen? I don't remember that before. But as, as men, we, we, can, we like to play. We like to play games. We like to compete. We like to have fun. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But being a man that leads your family is, is paramount to the, the health of your family, to the health of this church to the health of the city, and even to the health of this nation. You know, we're, we're not to be the Homer Simpson of the relationship, right? The big dummy that gets everything wrong all the time and just an idiot, right? Don't watch The Simpsons. It's not a good show. But the, 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 
the idea that men are just stupid, men are just big oafs, and they just do all these things, and the wife is really the one that runs the home. That's what a crying shame that that is what men are depicted as. And, if, and what a crying shame if we fall into that, that depiction as a man ourselves. The man, you're responsible for the well-being and the life of your, of your wife and your family. Physically, you're responsible. Mentally, you're responsible. Emotionally, you're responsible. And spiritually, men, you are responsible for the health of all of those things within your family. Your wife is not the spiritual leader of your home. You are. Your children are not the emotional leaders of your home. You are. But often as men, rather than fight that fight, we take a back seat. Because we don't want to be confrontational. We don't want to have that confrontation. So we just back off. And we won't be the spiritual leaders. Because we're not perfect. And so we don't think we're qualified to lead. We'll back off on and let our wives pick up the slack. And then we wonder why they're stressed out all the time. Because we're backing off and they feel like they've got to step up. It's our responsibility as men, if, if we're supposed to love our wives, like Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. That's the example that God gives us as husbands, how we're supposed to handle that first most intimate relationship is he likens it to his relationship with us as the church. Jesus gave everything for us. Everything. That means he stepped up when he was required to. He sacrificed himself when he was required to. That means if it's hard to be more spiritual because you've got to lead your family, then you do it. You step up and you do it. Unless, unless that sacrifice is greater than Jesus' sacrifice for his church. If you find a situation where Christ's sacrifice for his church is lower than what your sacrifice will be in your family, then feel free to not do it. You can skip that one. But all the other ones, you really don't have a choice other than just straight up disobedience. And that's the problem. We like to say, well, I'm, I'm not qualified or I'm not good enough at it or I just, I'm a failure. And we'll give ourselves excuses on why we can't or don't. But really, the bottom line is we're just disobedient. We're, we're our, our 15, 16-year-old sons that haven't learned to obey their parents. And now we're 35 to 40-some-year-old sons of God that don't know how to obey their parents either. And it's a problem. And, and you look at the world we live in today. I mean, we have, you know these things. Everything I'm saying is not brand new to you. You're here on Sunday night. You've heard it before. You're aware of it. We live in a world that is uh, that's clueless of these things. And it's no wonder we have the problems we have with our identity. Without a strong husband, without a strong man at home, the wife is left floundering for direction, for leadership. The kids are left floundering for direction and leadership. And when you leave people floundering without direction spiritually, they start to make the choices that they feel are best. And the world has proven that that does not work well. So as Christ, the Savior of the body, we are to be that for our women. That's your responsibility, guys. What Christ is for the church, you're to be that for them. That's a tall order. That's a high bar to hit. But it's a responsibility that we're expected to do. And we're going to talk about that here in a minute. It is a hard bar. And you're saying it might be impossible to to, to hit yourself. And I would probably agree with you. But here are a couple things that God expects us to do. He expects us to lead. God expects men of of God that have a family, that have have any responsibility in life to be leaders. You have to step up and be a leader. And you know what? Some of us may be not comfortable leading. Right? I'm not a type A personality. I'm, I think Lisa says I'm a type B 
personality. I don't know what that means, um, but it's, I'm a B, so I, I go with the flow, right? I'm just, I'm there, I'm not going to be out charging and everyone follow me. I'm just going to go with the flow. I'm going to get along with everybody. Every, we're good. Everything's fine. Let's all be happy. Let's all get along. Uh, you know, I'm going to take the leadership roles when necessary, um, but teaching a, a couples class, not my cup of tea. It's public speaking, I don't like it. I just, I've, oh man, talk about being nervous and having stomach aches and just wanting to do anything you can do to get out of speaking in front of people. That was me as a high schooler and a college student. Uh, the more you do something, the more comfortable you do get at things. But when you're taking something that's eternal and you feel God has given you something and you get an opportunity to share that with people, it, it's a little bit easier knowing that it's God that is trying to help you share it. And, and it's nothing with me, it's with what God has done. And it's the same thing for you, husband and father in your home. It doesn't matter what your comfort level is with leadership. It doesn't matter what your personality type is. You chose to marry the wife that you married, and you chose to begin the family that you began. Thereby, you are a leader in that family according to God. Thereby, you must be that leader. To, to not be that leader, to not step up, is to miss your role. And to skip out on your role. And to abandon your role. We want to solve, you, you want to solve the identity crisis we have in this country? It begins with husbands who are godly enough to take steps to fulfill the role that God gave them in their home. Yes, that's, right. that's where it begins. And I was thinking about when I was going to originally preach this, this was supposed to be January 4th, and I was going to ask about New Year's resolutions and how we're doing. I won't bring that up because I don't want anybody to feel bad about how it's going so far. <laughs> Um, but New Year's resolutions, we can start to be a better husband this year than we were last year. That should always be our goal, is to be better husbands, is to step up our, not our game, but step, step up our responsibility level and step into the role that God has given us to lead. So if you want to help the identity crisis that we have in this nation, be the husband you're supposed to be. Be the leader you're supposed to be. That means you've got to be spiritual enough to know where to go. That means you've got to be in touch with God on a real personal level so that you know where to go when God leads you. So we're supposed to lead and we're supposed to love. So you're supposed to love. Now love, okay, Valentine's Day is coming up here soon, whether you celebrate or not. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. It's all about love, right? It's all about and what the world considers love, and it's, it's usually not the husband and wives. They don't target the husband and wives when it comes to greeting cards and things. It's everyone else when it comes to love. But if you want to love like Christ loved the church, that's going to require you to love like you've never, ever, ever loved before. Like, and that's not just the warm, mushy feeling you get in the pit of your stomach. You know, when everything is perfect, when your spouse, when she, and we're talking to the men so we can do this, when your wife has done everything excellent. Like, she has done everything that you like. She's, she's made the food you enjoy. She's made your life perfect, right? You come home from work, and life is just everything the way you exactly want it to be. You're like, man, I love you. I love you so much right now. But that kind of love is like, I love you because I'm comfortable. Right? I've got everything that I want and desire, so that means I love you. The love that God says we're supposed to have for our wives is like the love he has for the church. How much does Christ love his church? Think about that. How much does God love you? How much? A lot. Like, words don't really describe it in a, in a good way. How does Christ love his church? How do your feelings towards your wife, how does the love that you choose to have towards your wife compare to Christ's love for his church? If you compared 
your discussions with her today, the way you treated her in the car ride here to church this, this evening, the things you said or didn't say this afternoon, how does that love that you showed her today match up with the love God has shown us and shown his church? Regardless of how it was, it's short. It falls short. And you say, we cannot, you cannot compare. It can't compete with that. And I would say you're correct. Um, we need God's specific help to be the husband he expects us to be. So I, ha I have a little example. Bro, Sam, you want to help me? Okay, he's ready. He goes, as long as I have to talk. I said, okay. So I used this in class this morning. Um, we talked about trials and burdens in our life and how sometimes God gives us dark packages to open and they're wrapped up in black paper and they're called burdens and trials that we go through. And they're heavy things that come into our life, but God gives them to us because he knows that we can handle them because he's going to help us. So being a husband is not a trial. It's a joy and a gift. Okay. So I don't really know what the comparison is there. I just, anyway, here's a weight. So this is 20 pounds. So you can use two hands, you can use one hand, but I just want you to hold it out like this. Oh, <laughs> like this. No. Yes. Yeah. So I just want you to hold it out there. It's, it's heavy, right? It's not light. It's, it's, there's some weight to it. Um, and that's what God gives us as husbands. He says, this is your responsibility. Love your wife like I love the church. And he says, here it is. Do it. It's a command. And we'll get to our part as, as fathers, how we're supposed to treat our children and take care of our children. But first of all, he says, love your wife like I love the church. Give everything, sacrificial love, uh, unconditional love. It's not a, I'll love her if she loves me, or I love her if she takes care of me. It's a, I love her when she's not who she's supposed to be. I'll love her when she doesn't follow what she said, what Brother Chad already said, that she's supposed to respect and submit. When she doesn't, I'm still going to love her. That's the love that Christ expects us to have. It's getting heavy. Yeah, good. Okay, let me, let me know when it's like you need to let it go. You can let it go down a little bit. Just, you know, be honest. Okay. <laughs> Christ's love for the church is, is for the church's benefit. Right. right? So when Christ loves his church, he loves us for, for our benefit, not his. He loves us for our benefit. It makes the church better, more glorious. It makes the church so that we can give glory to him because he deserves it. Now, God brings it down to our level, and he says, love her like you love yourself. Because he understands, okay, it may be difficult for you to understand or try to love her like I love you, but how about you just love her like you love you? And we sometimes have a hard time doing that. And God says, no one doesn't love themselves. Everyone loves themselves. We're our number one fans, especially men. We're our number one fans. God says, love her like you love yourself. You're one flesh. And we have this, this uh, saying, and I don't know, motto, I guess, in the couple's class, leave, cleave, and weave, right? We had Magnus made up and everything is great. But leave your father and mother, cleave, right, to each other, become one flesh, and then you weave your lives together to be one. Good. And that, when that weave happens in your bondage, you know, okay? Yeah. Okay, good. He's a liar. Uh, but when you bond... <laughs> When we weave together, we become one flesh, right? And God helps us do that. And he says, when I said, you can't do that on your own, you're right, you can't. That means you've got to have a personal relationship with the Lord. Men, you have to know God better today than you did yesterday. Yes, sir. 
And you need to rely on him. And then when you rely on God, what God does, he comes in and he goes, it's okay. Does that feel good? Yeah. See? God comes in and he says, okay, you, you love your wife like I tell you to. You be a leader like I tell you to. You get involved in me. And I'll come along and be like, yeah, we could do this. We could do it. And I'm only, God only needs a finger. But if Brother Samuel and I sat here like this, we could do this a lot longer. This is easy, right? It's way easier now. We were shaking a little bit. Look, little oh, man. Brielle. Woo. What a man. But we could do this all day. And God says, you do what I tell you to do. You love your wife. And men will do this. Okay, I'm going to do my best. And then she comes and she's disrespectful. Right? And she's mean. And she yells at me. And she demeans me in front of the children. And we're like, I, I'm going to do it. And we, we go, okay, put Bible down. I'm going to do it harder. But God says, no, no. Even when she does those things, be the leader you're supposed to be, and I'll come in, and I'll help you. Because you can't do it on your own. If I kept doing that or I'd make him be up here for another half hour, he would drop it. His arms would literally just give out. So you can let go. Thank you. Appreciate that. Big hand for muscle man, bro's hand. But as men, we... We either give up and we drop the weight because it's just too hard or we're the tough men and we just, mm, we're going to gut it out. I'm going to make it work. But we don't rely on God to help us. We don't ask God to help us. We don't ask God to get involved. Thereby, we're not leaders. We're not leading our family spiritually. We're not leading our family emotionally and mentally and physically. That's our responsibility is to be everything for our families. And if we want to affect the identity crisis we have in our nation, it starts at our house. It starts in our home. So now, quickly, uh, take the word away from the men. We went to the women first, then we're going to spend time with the men. Now I want to talk to the young people. Okay, young people, you dirty, rotten. No, um, uh, chapter 6, right? Chapter 6. I read through chapter 6 intentionally. Because husbands have roles, wives have roles, and children who eventually will be husbands and wives someday, if the Lord wills it, you have roles as children. And basically, children is anybody, you're not married, you're still living at home, you're children, okay? So these are your responsibilities. God's pretty straightforward about it. There's really no wiggle room or debate or yeah, but. There's really none of that. God, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in, in the Lord, for this is right. And again, he, co he connects his commandments to himself, yeah. right? Wives submit as unto the Lord. Husband loves your wives like I love the church. Children, obey your parents to the Lord, for this is right. He says, honor thy father and mother, mother, which is the first commandment with promise. You even get some benefits, though, here if you obey, that it may be well with thee. Are things not well with you? If you looked at your life today, young person, is it not well? Is it contentious? Is it stressful? Is it just bleh? I've been there. I lived, the, I lived that, that time period in my life where things were not well at home. Mom and dad were always yelling at me. I was always in trouble for something, and I never was doing anything that regarded trouble. But I always found somehow I, got, I did something I should have done. And then, here, and then when that happens, I can never do anything else right. Right? I didn't make my bed good enough. I didn't do my homework well enough. I didn't get the best grades I could get. I didn't speak the proper way to my siblings. That it, it just seemed like it piled on and piled on and piled on. And things were not well with me. Yeah. And, I, and it looked like everyone was against me. Everyone's after me. It's not fair. Yeah. 
right? It's not fair. Everyone's after me. I didn't do anything. I'm trying my best. It's just not fair. When things aren't well with you, I would take a step back. Let's take some maturity, but I would take a step back and look at how are you treating your parents? And I don't just say this selfishly because I have two teenagers and one young one coming up. How are you treating your parents so that you treat me well? I'm just saying, how are you treating your, how are you treating your parents so that the Lord makes things well with you and gives you long days? Like you can live longer on this earth based on how you treat your parents. And that's not, that's not even connected to the obey part. That's connected to the, like treating your parents well, honoring them brings you long life on this earth. So if things aren't well with you at home, young people, what's your relationship with your mom and dad? It goes up and down. I realize that. And mom and dads aren't perfect. And they understand that too. But it doesn't tell mom and dad to make sure the kids are are happy in their life. Right? Husbands are supposed to love their wives. Wives are to submit to their parents, to to their husbands. Children are to obey. So how is your relationship with your mom and dad? I, I'm guaranteeing you, because I was once a teenager, believe it or not, I guarantee you it's not as good as it could be. Right. I guarantee you your, kids have, your, your mom or dad has ticked you off lately. I guarantee you they have misunderstood you. In your view, they've misunderstood where you were coming from, what your thought process was. They just don't get it. And it's true. Sometimes parents don't get it. Sometimes parent, parents have a lot of things they're doing. Parents are taking care of you. You'll find out as you grow older, wow, mom and dad did all those things too. And you'll be humbled, hopefully. You'll mature to a point where you'll understand everything that they did to invest in your lives now. But you can understand that today. You don't have to wait to be 30 to have a good relationship with your mom and dad. You can start when you're 15, 14, 16, whatever age you are right now in this church, you can work on a good relationship with your parents. And if your relationship's good with them, great. Make it better. Don't be content to say, yep, I, we're good. We didn't yell at each other today. Low bar, okay? Right, yeah. But when, what have you done for them lately? Sure. Parents are always doing. I speak as a parent. We do. And that's our responsibility to take care of you. And we would, and we do, and good parents do. But parents are always doing, 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 giving. What, are, what have you done lately to give back? Honoring your father and mother. So a little bit just on the children, but back to the men. Fathers. Ephesians uh, chapter 6, again, verse number 4. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So you notice, and I'm, I don't, I'm sure God says somewhere about mothers taking care of their kids. There's no doubt that mothers are a vital part of children's lives. But God gives a direct command to the fathers in raising kids. And even in our circles, in our church, in church circles like us, it seems to fall to the wives and the moms to take care of the kids. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily, right? A lot of times mom are, moms are able to be at home, um, and if they do, they spend more time with the children, and they, they are able to, the nurturing part of mothers is easier for them, right, than men, it comes easier. Um, but fathers are commanded here, one, to not, to not provoke your kids to wrath, to not create, cause them to be bitter, to not be hypocritical, to live in a manner that you are the leader, the spiritual leader, emotional, mental, physical leader of your children, and they see honesty and truth in us, that does not cause them to be angry with the way we live and the way, the way we say we live and the way we actually live. But it also tells us to bring our kids up. Fathers, we should be involved in your children. Yeah. 
and I will say for as a dad who, you know, I mean, I haven't always been the dad that, sh- that was involved as much as I should have been. Still today, there are moments where I look and I'm like, man, I'm missing time. Days are flying by that I'm not involved in each one of them more than I should be. Because again, once they're out of my house, the world, I mean, the world wants them. They, he, the world wants to change their philosophy, change what we've told them for 18 years. They want to change their mindset. The world wants to take them away from the biblical principles of family and, and cause them to doubt. And they're going to be confronted with those doubts. And as a husband, as a father, as the man and the leader of the house, it is our responsibility to instill God's wisdom into them while they're in your home. That's our responsibility. It's not mom's job. It's not your wife's job. Shame on us for allowing our wives to handle all that on their own. That is not, we are the number one responsible party for our children's upbringing. And that, that's not, I don't know if that, maybe that's not popular. Maybe that's not, but I think that's not what we do. And that's why it's not popular because we don't do it and God's saying to, for us to do it and we are not used to that maybe. We're supposed to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Fathers, moms, again, are vital, especially early on, right? They, they, they bond with the children. That's definitely important. But, man, God commands us as fathers to bring them up. Nurture, the word nurture just means tutelage or education, right? Training. Man, it's your responsibility to train your children. Right. Amen. And that, that goes with fishing and men, men's stuff, you know, physical activity. But it's training in how to treat their sisters, training in how to treat their mothers. So when they grow up to be men, they know how to treat their wives, right? You want to take care of domestic violence and domestic abuse? You train your your sons to be husbands like you are. That means you've got to be the husband you're supposed to be. Again, it comes back to your shoulders. And you've got to hold that weight and you've got to lift that weight. And you've got to get God to help you lift that weight. Otherwise, you're going to fail. But God says, nurture them, teach them. And it also says admonition, which is calling attention to or rebuke, warning, punishing, chastising. Right? Fathers, that's your responsibility. You're responsible for taking care of the chastisement of your children. And we can go through all the examples that God gives us of how to chastise our children. And that falls into God's role for the husband and for the father as well. The rod of correction. Your children will not break if you spank them. They will not hate you if you spank them. God's word is true. doesn't matter what culture says. God's word is true. And if we do it the right way, the way we're supposed to do it, with love like God does for us, chastising our children helps them grow. You don't, if you don't spank them, the law will someday. They'll get spanked somewhere. And way better for it to be in your home where you can give them biblical principles than for the civil government to have to lock them down. We don't want that. We don't want that from our church. And if, you know, everyone, they're responsible for their own choices, right? Every human being is responsible for themselves. You can do everything right. They can go out and change everything and, do, and, and just go in a direction you never told them to do or showed them. They're their own people. And God will hold everyone responsible, like Pastor talked about this morning. We are responsible for our actions. You will stand before Christ by yourself. Mom and dad will not be there, and you will not be able to say, well, dad didn't do this, dad didn't love me enough, mom didn't do this. 
you are responsible for your choices. But as husbands, as fathers, we are responsible to do everything within our power to give them the best opportunity and best chance that they can have. And that means that we have to be the men. We have to, we have to step it up. So we'll end how we, be, we began tonight. And I'm finishing up here. The state of our nation shows the lack of the man fulfilling his God-given role in marriage and his children, his family. If you look around the world, the, the, the place you can probably go to and find the source of a lot of our issues are with the family and with the husband and the leader of that family. Right. Maybe that's unfair. Maybe that's too much responsibility. And I don't, I'm not saying you fix the husband, you fix everything in the world. But I bet as men, if we do what we're supposed to do, if we just follow God's word and obey him, within our family, we've done everything that we can do by his word and families will grow, and like I said earlier, generations will continue to believe that God is who he says he is, which will perpetuate his glory in future generations. It starts with us as men of our home. So the state of our church is directly related to the desire of the men who are here and part of this body to fulfill their roles as husbands, fathers, and men. Bar none, I believe. The state of this church, the health of this church, the future of this church is, the, is related, directly related to the desire of the men who sit here and are part of this body to fulfill the role that they have as husbands, fathers, and men. If we are lazy about it, if we slack off about it, if we just straight up don't care, that's on us. The future of this church is on us, not just your family, your family, of course. But your family is part of this church. Strong families make strong churches. And bringing in more families and teaching them God's word makes their family strong, which makes our church stronger. So if, if the future of Eastside depends on you as a man, the future of Eastside, if the future of Eastside depends on you, only you fulfilling your role as a man, how you obey God's commands to you, what is the future of this church? Then you say, well, that's... It's a little, you know, hyperbolic a little bit, don't you think? I don't think it is. I think it's 100% true. And I think if every man was willing to do what God commands him to do and be the husband, you're not perfect. I'm not telling you to be perfect. I'm not even telling you to do everything you're supposed to do on your own. Go back to the example of Brother Samuel. You need to do what you're supposed to do with God's help. And that just means you've got to know God real good. You have to know him as a person, not just as God of church. And God of Bible reading time, but not God of everyday life, every minute life. So it all goes back to your relationship with your God. If you as the man have the relationship with your God that you're supposed to have, then he helps you lift that weight of responsibility of being the man you're supposed to be so the church can be what it's supposed to be. So, I mean, it's heavy, but everything falls on us as the men. And I will tell you from experience, I have failed numerous times. We fail. And failing is part of being humans, but as long as we don't fail and just give up and throw up our hands, but we fail and get up and say, God, I failed. Help me more. I relied on me more than I relied on you. And when we fail, that's what we're doing, relying on ourselves more than relying on him. So if the future of Eastside, and I'll end with this, this statement, if the future of Eastside depends on you and your role as a man within the church and your obedience to what God commands you to do, what's the future of Eastside Baptist Church. Stand with me if you would. Heads bowed and your eyes closed.
It's a message that I, I'm passionate about um, because it's real and it affects, it affects me. And I, I never want to stand up here and say, do what I just do it. Because you'll look and say, well, Chad, you, you messed up here. You didn't do this right. And you're 100% correct. I didn't. And I don't. And I won't because I am imperfect as well. But what I will say is that God is perfect. And when we obey what God says, he helps us. He, it always works out our, to our benefit. Amen. When we obey God, it works out to our benefit. And I'm passionate about it for my family. I'm passionate about it for me because, again, God spoke to my heart first. He pointed out areas in my life where I can be better as a man. And I have just taken this and said, here's what God said to me. Maybe it applies to you. So, men, if it applies to you, take time. Brother Jacob's going to sing. We'll have an invitation to do what uh, the Lord would have you do. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.